just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Speaking of Influence podcast with virtual business speaker, presentation skills and influence coach, John Ball. Remember to like and subscribe. The Speaking of Influence podcast is uploaded and distributed using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes it really easy to get your podcast started and out to a wide audience with lots of tips and useful tools to help you on your way. If you're interested, check the link in the show notes and start your podcast today. Well, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have with me a guest who, when I was reaching out for people to speak to, came back to me very quickly and was somebody very interesting who I knew I wanted to have a chat with. His name is Grant Finlayson. He has a business online called the Online Biz Ninja and he's his focus is on lead generation but when we chatted there were so many more elements that came into it. He's certainly proven to be one of the most well-connected people that I've ever connected with on LinkedIn and spoken to and has been super generous in connecting and helping his network out as well and a really wonderful person to get to know. So Grant, thank you for all the connecting and everything that you've uh, introduced me to. You've been one of the most helpful people I've come across and welcome to the show. Great to speak to you. That's a great intro. Thanks very much, John. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and, and speaking to you. Um, I'm really looking forward to the chat, actually. Um, and how did your holiday go? I, I, I need to know um, a little bit more details. I haven't been on holiday for a long time, so... It was, it was a working holiday, so I decided that uh, I knew for ages that I needed to take a bit of time out to work on uh, a book that I've been writing, and so I thought, the only way it's going to happen is if I actually take a week off from my client work and, and from podcasting and video making and everything else and actually just go with the intention of writing a book. Now, it's not finished, but certainly uh, it's been a very productive week and I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I took some time out to relax as well. So I, I was mostly sat on a terrace in front of the Mediterranean Sea and uh, typing away or writing stuff down and, and watching all the things going on on the seafront. It, it was very nice. Thank you. That sounds amazing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I've been holiday in such a long time. I don't even know if I'd be able to. I'd, I'd probably be still working while I'm on holiday. It's, it's hard, hard to get out of that mindset, especially when you're kind of a, a creative and, and connected person, right? It's, uh, there's always going to be people who, who want to get hold of you and there's always going to be ideas coming up and, and getting generated. And so it's, it's hard to switch off from stuff completely. And I don't even know, maybe, maybe you're similar, but I don't even know if I really want that completely. Just, uh, just to take it easy a bit was, was quite a treat in itself. Yeah, for sure. So... You were saying you were writing a book. Um, this is not your first book, is it? 
It's my first book that isn't just sort of like a small info promo stuff. This is going to be uh, more of a lead generation, a lead magnet book. Right. And so what's that about? Um, I have created something that I'm calling the Storypreneur Formula. So it's going to be about telling stories for business. Excellent. Because we all know how important it is storytelling these days. I'm always keen to talk to people about storytelling because that is how you build trust and relationships and all of that, which is really essential these days yeah. in business. Um, I love all that stuff. So is, is, are there anything, uh, is there anything juicy uh, that you can share I would, uh, for, for me, I think it's, it's been interesting just how much of my own knowledge and experience over the last uh, 10, 15 years from working in the personal development and coaching world has come into uh, the whole thing of storytelling with, with this particular project. That, that in itself, stuff that I didn't think was going to be relevant has been relevant. Was with any juicy bits of it? I don't know if if I'm really sort of saying anything other than bringing together years of my knowledge and experience and also the experts who I've spent time learning from as well and, uh, and putting that into a, hopefully a process that's going to help people in professional settings. This isn't just about like selling your product or service, but about actually being more engaging and having more relationship and connection with people because I think that's one of the most important things to be focused on in business right now. Yeah, that's your main thing, the, um, the presentations. And you do webinars as well. Um, yeah, but- I've been, I mean, I've been doing webinars for, um, for over 10 years. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a pivot for me when it was all the uh, lockdowns and quarantines with COVID. It wasn't a real game changer for me. Nearly mm-hmm. everything I do is online. So uh, webinars, group coaching sessions, um, one-to-one coaching and the all the video and podcasting stuff that I do, probably about ninety five percent of my work is online. So yeah, it's uh, and it has been for the longest time, which uh, which I, has actually put me in an advantageous position in some ways, right? Because mm. it, it meant that I didn't have to change much about my business or the structure. If anything, I just had more time and perhaps even a bit more drive, like. With everything that went on, that was my escape. <laughs> Throwing myself into my work uh, was was how I managed to deal with uh, and get myself through the quarantines and lockdowns. Mm. I'm actually quite excited um, that everyone's kind of being forced to go online mm. and do everything online. I, I think that's great because we're kind of heading that way anyway. So let's just speed it up. And um, yeah, which is probably what's happened, really. Right? It's, it's just put, pushed everyone into the position of needing to be online. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying that they're sick of Zoom meetings. And yet, um, I'm sure I've heard enough times before now, especially when I was living and working around London, uh, how fed up people were of having to travel to get to their meetings all the time and all the all the commuting around. It's like, mm. well, you might be fed up of being on video, but isn't it so much easier? <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I, I'd prefer it. Yeah, it's so much more convenient yeah. rather than traveling, like you say. Wow. Yeah, and the the whole sort of remote working thing. I think I think that's where things have been heading to anyway for for more and more people that we're moving away from this idea that you have to be in an office to be productive or to to have someone managing you and watching you, making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Where people are 
finding now, I think that their productivity may actually go up in many cases mm-hmm. because people's, people's biggest distractions in the workplace is nearly always other people. Yep, exactly. My partner said the same thing. She gets more done at home because no one's disturbing her from working. And she actually starts earlier and finishes later too. So yeah. I, can, kind of, I can imagine it might be upsetting some middle management people who uh, who spend a lot of their time uh, keeping an eye, a physical eye on what's going on in, in their sections and likes. But um, they can do just do that just as well online because there's enough mechanisms in place to be able to check in on productivity. Um, but yeah, and I know my, my partner as well is working working from home and absolutely loving it and doesn't want to go back to the office at all and, and is hoping that they will change their situation there and move in that direction. So I think these are these are positive things because one one thing I don't know, this may be a big digression really, but but one thing I see that that could bring in in the future is is the need for people not to live in central city areas for work anymore. If they mm-hmm. can mostly work remotely, you can be wherever you want to be for work. You know, when I when I first went fully remote with my business, that's what allowed me to move to to Spain. Or really, at the time, it was deciding anywhere. It could have been anywhere with internet connection. That was where mm-hmm. I was going to go, and Spain was the decision I made. Right. Is that a green screen behind you? Or are you it is. In- yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not too bad. But I did discover today, because I have a green face mask, and I have to, in the building I'm in, we have to put them on even for, for walking around the building, that uh, the face mask kind of was, uh, I don't know if you can uh, see it here now, but yes. yeah, it was coming up on the green screen and making my mouth and uh, making my mouth disappear. So it wasn't so good. <laughs> I was going to say, because it looks like a cafe, but it's kind of empty. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people it's my own personal coffee shop is, uh, so, I can, <laughs> so I can get rid of people. Also, like where I'm physically located is right next to a kitchen, so you might actually hear coffee machines going on. So, so it seems quite appropriate that uh, there might actually be some coffee noises from time to time. Uh, nothing, nothing like a, a nice coffee. Yeah. Uh, so um, tell, tell me a bit about what, what it is that you do, because uh, you talk about lead lead generation. I know from the conversations I've had of you, you have a lot of knowledge in some great areas, but what do you do in terms of lead generation? I um, basically have zeroed in. Um, I try to niche down. Um, see, I started like 10 years ago uh, in the life coaching area, and then I decided I didn't want to do that. Um, but I had all this knowledge about how to build websites, sales, marketing, and all the other internet bits and pieces. So I thought I'd teach that. Uh, so that's how the online biz ninja eventually came about. But then it's been um, evolving, and I've been, as I say, zeroing in on exactly what I want to be doing, which ultimately now is lead generation. It's how I can be of most service to people with the skill sets and knowledge that I've got. Um, that's how I can give back the best, I believe. Um, and there's a little bit of affiliate marketing still floating around in the background. Um, but I'm not really concentrating on that as much. Um, the lead generation is basically adverts um, and sales funnels, like building them, creating them, and um, bringing customers to businesses. Are there particular kinds of businesses that you prefer to work with or that you target your information on? 
Um, there's some that work better than others. I haven't niched down to pick just one, and there's probably quite a few that I'd like to visit. Um, but so far, um, you know, I've just been looking at businesses that are in my areas of interest. Like I like cars, so car dealerships. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. But you know, there's other ones that I can't ignore, uh, like say uh, orthodontists, uh, chiropractors. I've had quite a few bad, bad backs in my time, so I've kind of I can relate to certain businesses. Others not so much. Um, but no, it's not strictly one type of business, although. There's some which I would steer away from simply because they don't have the ad budget. It just wouldn't be worth working with them at all. Mm. Um, some people don't want to spend any money on ads, which is kind of crazy these days, considering you can get leads for so cheap. Um, I say cheap. It, just, it depends how good your ads are, really. <laughs> you, you could run ads and get no one. But um, if, if you learn and craft the ads over a long term tweak them and um do the analytics properly there's no reason why you can't uh get a good ad running for you and scale it so it's a bit of a no-brainer businesses need the customers these days um i've got the skills where i can find them and bring them to them in a convenient way and even help uh to follow up you know, um, it's important for businesses to follow up with leads. The sooner, the better, really. Um, if they have a bunch of leads and don't don't look at it for a couple of days, you know, and then phone them up, they might not be interested. They might have forgotten. Um, you know, so there's all that stuff. Yeah, things but, um, that inspire confidence in in the customers. I was just thinking, just recently, I had somebody contacting me about. Um, moving uh, a company pension that I still got in the UK out into some other investment and then didn't contact me back again for several months. And then I said, oh, well, hey, let's set up a chat and then still hasn't come back to me. Like, uh, okay, well, now I'm just not going to work with you because yeah. uh, because you can't respond to stuff. Yeah, that's not so good. No. Um, I mean, I, I, I looked into a lot of different things about how to make money online. Um, and I've looked at all the gurus and experts. As I say, it was over 10 years, and I've been dabbling in all different kinds of areas. And for me, uh, I wanted the geographical freedom that you've moved to Spain. I would like to go wherever and do my work. Mm. Um, even from a young kid, I've always wanted to travel around and help people. Um, but, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know how you're going to do that. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, it's going to be this and then another idea it's going to be that and and it's it's as i say zero and then um into lead generation it looks like um which is quite exciting um if i can be of value and make money and and i'm not restricted to any place and i can choose when i want to work and all the rest of it that's basically what i'm going after so that's that's the benefits for me. Is, is um, there a dream place that you want to go to or you see more of no. a digital nomad kind of lifestyle? Well, maybe not nomad. Um, I've been abroad in decades. There are a few places I'd like to visit, but just to have, be able to have the opportunity to look at a place and think, oh, that looks really nice. I think I'm going to go there and then just go. 
um, Japan, perhaps. I did have America on my list. I was going to do a three-month tour right across, um, but yeah, I'm not so keen these days. Right. Um, America's a bit messy just now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the Far East, Australia, New Zealand, definitely is on the list. Portugal, for some reason, I think. Um, I was going to go there in a mobile caravan and uh, do some living and working off the land. Um, can't remember what you call it. But you work in the fields and basically... Yeah, I, I know someone who, who's done that and uh, and has ended up settling there and loves it. Yeah. Well, it, well, I had a guy um, who came back from France to the UK. I bumped, it, bumped into him in a pub and I told him what I was about to do. He said, don't do it. <laughs> uh, because he lived over in France and he said that it's, it's not good at the moment and the police will just fine you for any ridiculous thing uh, just to get money because they're skint right. and um, yeah and it's and it's a lot harder than you think it is uh, in certain aspects so he kind of put me off the idea which is a shame because I bought, bought the vehicle I kitted it out with everything um, so I just ended up selling it and yeah you never know, though. I mean, what could be um, one person's experience could be very different to another's, and mm. it could have just been that you had a chat with the wrong person. And it might yeah, no, but he 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 sort of knew the game, as it were, because he had a mobile home as well. He had um, basically he had uh, solar panels on top for his electricity because he was into free energy and all this as well. He had a, a wood burning stove inside the back of his van. Um, so he, he had it kitted out. He'd been all around Europe, so he, he knew what it was like. So I knew I was getting good, valuable advice from experience. Yeah, it may it may have saved you from a bad experience as well. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I just wasn't meant to be doing that. <laughs> I guess if you really wanted it, you might you might have just said, "Well, let's see see what happens." But uh, there are there are plenty of other options for you. I want to ask yeah. you a, a little bit more about lead generation then. So. What do you think are the most important things for people to be considering in, in lead generation these days? Um, the, um, collecting people's data. They need to be collecting email addresses and phone numbers, building a list. They say the money's in the list, um, and the fortune's in the follow-up. Um, so, I mean, even restaurants can be collecting email addresses, you know, um, Say, for example, I went into a restaurant and they've got the old paper menus. They're not allowed to have them anymore in some places, I believe. So if you have a QR code to scan to get the menu, collect an email address in order to see the menu, and then send them offers for discount foods or you know, freebies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, they're building a, a list of local clientele that they can tap up now and again to bring them back in the door. Uh, but I mean, it, it can work for any business, small or large. But every business should really be collecting customer contact details one way or another. Yeah, and it's it's relatively easy to do these days. Um, and I can literally, I could go into a meeting with someone in, in an office and set up a website within a few minutes. If I wanted to, if 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 I was really going for it, I could I could probably use a template and knock one up in five minutes, and they've got something they can start using there and then. Mm. 
But obviously templates are templates. You want to be specific to the business. So you want to put all their logos and designs and wording and copyright and all the rest of it. It takes, it takes a lot longer. Um, the adverts, again, that's more of a specialist area. I could do all these things myself, but I'm looking to build a team so I'd have someone specializing in ads, someone specializing in sales, and I'd cover the rest of the bits and pieces. And, and then I'd be able to scale a lot more which is um, something I'm looking at right now. I'm still actually in the middle of a lead gen course uh, from Ryan Wegner, who's my coach. Um, I've, I've been looking at experts for years and I've never wanted to spend that much money. Uh, when I came across his advert, um, I bought straight away. I didn't need to know, like, and trust him. I could just tell that he was talking, you know, he's being real. Mm. And it, the, he had the stuff that I needed to know. So I didn't hesitate. Um, got my credit card out, bought a course. Um, and he's, he's actually got a few courses which I've looked at. And um, the stuff I've learned and the fact of having a coach has just accelerated everything I've been doing vastly. Um, and it's amazingly helped me cut out a lot of stuff that, that I was wasting time on. Yeah. which is really crucial because a lot of people think they need to be doing this, need to do that. Da, da. But when I sort of got with his vibe and I was going through his course, I realized that I haven't got time to get all this done that I need to do unless I get rid of this, this and this. And you have to decide, you have to choose in your mind, look, does this helping or is it not? If it's not helping. You just get rid of it and don't look back. Yeah. So that's been really helpful as well. Yeah, I can relate to that experience. When when I first came across my marketing coach, uh, is a guy called Taki Moore, and uh, I've been working with Taki for for a number of years now. And when I first set out my own business, I was a bit of a, a clueless <laughs> business operator. Who one of the biggest reasons I failed first time out is because I just didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I didn't have the people in my network who I chose to. Or I didn't reach out for help from people who could have helped me, and so getting in touch uh, and having people who could coach me and, and develop me through that gave me a lot more clarity. And as you say, cutting away. A lot of it is always about cutting away the stuff that you just don't need uh, and don't need to be spending time working on or focusing on because there's a lot to do in any business. And, uh, and realistically, you know, as a one-person operation, it's, it's, uh, there has to come a point probably fairly soon where someone else has to be taking over some part of what you do. Now, I know for, for me, I'm already looking to um, have someone take over the scheduling side of, of things for for podcasting and with client work as well, really, because things are just too busy and I, I don't have the time to manage my schedule as effectively as I'd like to. So having someone else to to do that for me, does, it's not a lot of work to get a VR, um, um, a VA to do that. And uh, and it's not, not a huge amount of money either, but it's a big time burden that can be easily lifted from me that solves solves a problem very quickly uh, and yeah. super important to do that uh, so it's I tricky understand. though it yeah tricky? i mean you have to on-ramp them and and you have to get everything set up but and i think it's good to have the, the right recommendations for who to work with and um so yeah finding the right people can be 
a bit tricky and getting things set up how you want but ultimately any business owner has to has to delegate at some point uh, yeah. otherwise your your um, scalability is going to hit a ceiling oh yeah for sure um i had a bit of control issue trouble you know finding people to do things i don't like to um give tasks that i think that i can do better um to other people but you know time wise you you really have to um you have to decide what it is you want to do and what you're good at and focus on that and 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 like you say delegate um you had a few issues there um and uh the time as well to arrange meetings. I had a face-to-face with one of my earlier clients. Um, they like to meet face-to-face, so I had to go and visit them. Um, I prefer just doing it all online. It's easier, but some people like the face-to-face. Um, so, and I'm a bit of a free spirit. I don't have booking services, but oh, I've given and got Calendly recently because I just I kind of need I need to have it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. I have to accept certain things that um, I've been trying to not accept for a long time. Uh, sometimes I have to do things that aren't what I prefer. But you know, you you got to find a compromise, huh? Yeah, I've I've had to have that for the for the longest time because as, as soon as I could, because I have clients from all over the world, and my my brain just doesn't want to cope with figuring out time zones on top of everything else. When someone comes to me and says, "Can you do an appointment?" Then, um, you know, I don't want to have to check whether it's the middle of the night or or the mm-hmm. late afternoon for me. Um, so so having a calendar service that automatically shows them my time uh, my times in their time zone. And their bookings in my time zone um, is is an essential for me for my kind of work. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few times where I've come on uh, the wrong days, the wrong times, and um, it doesn't make you look very professional. No, it's, it's not. It's not a big help, right? I just just <laughs> someone was supposed to have having a podcast chat with who hadn't entered the meeting into into his calendar. And like, okay, well. You booked it. <laughs> You've had the email reminders, and and you haven't shown up. So um, I can only do so much. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big thing. It does. It doesn't help in terms of um, in terms of your image if you're not where you're supposed to be even online when you're supposed to be there. Hmm. Um, I'm just wondering if we can steer it back to presentations because mm. um, that's 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 your main thing. Um, so I, I I think we could put out some great value to the listeners if we if we cover stuff about making better presentations especially with sales and webinars and stuff like that yeah um, w- what would be your um, you know starting advice to someone that's um, perhaps wanting to learn or know more about those areas is there is there something that you always like to start your story with when, when someone's creating a story um, I mostly mostly would start people in thinking what the what the intention is of the story, what the purpose is of, of the presentation or the story, and that has to be the the first question you answer. What what's the intention? Is your intention to get a sale, to get a lead, to create an emotional response, to change someone's way of thinking? 
you need to know what what your intention is before you can even start to create that and then start to look at what you have in terms of your own content or material that is going to be relevant to that or whether you need to look for some external sources of material to to inspire what you want to create in terms of your presentation so if you can figure out the purpose first and you also really it's not just your purpose it also needs to be what are you actually delivering in terms of is it something that people are going to want because the first person the first thing someone asks themselves really when they're listening to anyone is what's in it for me you may not consciously ask yourself that question mm. but at least unconsciously if, if you don't get very quickly what's in it for you to to tune in or listen or watch then you're going to tune out is that there's a reason why uh, a lot of uh, YouTube videos only have a couple of seconds of uh, of time of people watching before they've clicked onto something else. So would you say you're an introvert? Naturally, yeah. I'm more naturally introverted than extroverted. So I heard someone who's a sales expert talking about how introverts, a lot of salespeople are introverts and perhaps empathic as well in that, they understand that they they don't want to be bothered by people and so they know other people don't want to be bothered so they get to the point sooner does that make sense yeah i mean it it does i don't see it as being something that has to hold you back in terms of presentation ability and there there's good and bad to both i think naturally extroverted people are often more willing to to go out there and and have more fun with what they're doing whereas introverted more introverted people may take a bit longer to get there. Uh, and some people may not get there because I, I tend to find introverted people are a lot more self-conscious. You spend a lot more time thinking about what they're saying or people's responses to what you're saying. And that, and that maybe is partly the empathy side of it as well. But um, when you can get out of your head and, and into a performance energy for yourself, and anyone can do that, um, that doesn't depend on you being introverted or extroverted. The uh, it's not a disadvantage. It's uh, there probably are advantages to it as well in some ways. Maybe being that bit more thoughtful or being a bit more focused on um, the connection and the emotional the emotional energy that you're getting from your audience as well as from yourself. Mm. So on my journey, I've I've decided that I'm introverted, but then later on, I decided that. Um, uh, there's an in-between, there's three types, there's introvert, extrovert, and there's one in the middle that kind of can switch between the two. And I think that's where I am, well, but mainly introvert. Like yeah, something like that, yeah. You might be right, ambivert, that sounds about right. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's got to be a, a, a big challenge for some people who are introverted, especially um, on the fear side of things, um, worrying about what other people think of them and all that typical common stuff. Um, I've done a lot of research into fear um, and understanding it's one thing, but being able to uh, deal with it is something else. So what, what advice would you give to people that have issues in those areas? So something that's going to come down to having having a reason that's big enough to overcome your fear. That's mm. the way you want to do it. I do think in terms of public speaking or presentation work for me it's been one of the the biggest things that I've done in my life in terms of stepping up my ability to put myself out there and and to make a difference 
And so it was a big leap in my own personal and professional development to to actually get up on a stage as myself. You know, I've done acting and um, music stuff in the past, performed many, many times, but being on stage as myself, talking as myself, um, that was a level of vulnerability that I didn't think I could deal with. And I think that's what a lot of people get to with this. But also it's um, when you when you can actually do that and be in the moment and in, you can find that you can enjoy it, even even as an introvert, even as uh, someone who uh, doesn't particularly like too much time with other people all the time, it needs your own time. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I got from understanding the differences between introversion and extroversion is that really it's more a case of how you like to recharge. Do you need uh, do you need your quiet time by yourself, or do you need your time around other people for their energy? And some people need a bit of both. I say probably do hover closer to the middle, but on the side of introversion, because I do I do sometimes find situations with the right people to be energizing. But when it comes to fear of just getting out there and doing this, a lot of people are afraid of being seen and sticking their head up above the parapet, so to speak, waiting for it to be lopped off. Because we do have a culture where, um, especially in the online world, you pipe up with your opinion and there's a a thousand people waiting to come and uh, bombard you with theirs and tell you why you're wrong. Mm. So so I think that's a lot of what people are afraid of, is maybe the um, people are afraid of conflict generally. So that's mm-hmm. that's a part of it now with presentation work and being publicly visible with what you do, that there are always going to be people who will come back and have their opinion. But there is also a side of you don't have to listen to every single opinion out there. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had to uh, get myself to a place where I just didn't care about what people think. And it also helped that, I, I learned that everybody sucks in the beginning, no matter what you're doing, you're going to suck at it. So you just need to get out there and suck. And after a while, you won't suck as much and then you'll get a bit better and then you'll be okay. But everyone, everyone's got to suck in the beginning. So it's amazing how many people think they need to get on whatever, whether it's digital or live platform and think that they need to be uh, an absolute master of what they're doing to be heard or taken seriously uh, when it may even be their first time doing it. It's like, no, you absolutely have to go out there and, as you say, be prepared to suck at it. Be prepared that you're not going to be a master at what you're doing until you've had practice you don't just pick up a a trombone and suddenly you can play it it takes probably years of practice to be able to to master it Mm, yeah i think it was very helpful as well um, to understand that people really appreciate you if you're being real they can connect with you a lot easier as well if you're being real um, and being vulnerable like you say Um, so all that's been helpful to, to understand so that I can get the ball rolling with doing like uh, live videos or videos. Um, yeah. I, th- I think we're in an environment now where, uh, especially because so many people have had to come onto the online world and you know, we have all our Skype and Zoom meetings and everything else going on all the time, that people have had to be 
become a bit more comfortable with being seen at least in um, at least in their own environments but we are also at a point where for people who, especially who are business owners or um, doing any kind of professional work online where you do have to have a certain level of visibility which means really you need to be talking about the stuff that you do at the very least uh, being out there um, giving value in, in some sense that's attracting people to to what you're doing, the more you can do that and be comfortable with it, I, I think the easier it's going to be to build followings and to to attract people to your to you and your business. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't see it as being an optional part of uh, operating in business these days. It's uh, the, these are critical business skills now. So the ability to present yourself well um, is is going to be. I think it's going to keep becoming more and more important. I've said often you know, that there are people who talk about like the industrial, not industrial revolution, but the artificial intelligence revolution that we're going through at the moment, where many people's jobs and professions are being replaced by automations and artificial intelligence. That realistically, many, although there will be new jobs and positions that will come up, some of which we don't even know yet, just as much as we had no idea that being a social media manager would be a thing years ago that that's now a a real job for people there will be new new jobs and new kinds of work but for for people who can present well who can educate and entertain and maybe both at the same time there will always be work oh yeah and and when people are um realizing they can work for themselves from home create their own digital products information products educational stuff um the presentation is going to be important um i um realized as well that um once i decided that i just need to put myself out there and make videos and do all the rest of it that i i only wanted to put out stuff that was of value Mm. and then i was kind of had writer's block if you like, um, in that, okay, well, now I'm not putting out stuff because I'm, I, I can't think of anything that has good value right now. Um, and I kind of flipped from just doing normal social media posting to just doing like businessy stuff. And now I'm struggling to, to put social things on there, um, right. which is, it's like done a 180 um, because before I would just, do all social stuff. A lot of people are doing that, you know, like um, especially on Instagram, they, they want the likes, they want the followers, but they're not really putting out stuff of value. They're just trying to be liked and followed. Um, and I've, I've, there is a bit of a balance that you can't just keep putting out business stuff. People want to know you a little bit. So you've got to put a little bit out there about your life and stuff. Yeah. It's about finding, I'm trying to find that balance just now as well. Um, and I don't think there's an exact science to it. A lot of people have their theories and, and, and they, they see something that works and they say, well, this is how it works. And maybe that it works for them, but maybe someone else it will be slightly different. You know, maybe people don't want to know so much about your personal life if you're, say, all about cars. They, they want to hear you talk about cars all the time. They don't want to see you in your kitchen making your breakfast or whatever. Um, but... You know, if, if it's someone that's a, a chef, maybe they do want to see you making your breakfast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, it just depends what your life yeah. work balances with putting stuff out on social. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, I see it a lot on, on LinkedIn and I see um, 
Yeah, I think it's probably okay to, to name. So, so someone I've had as a guest on the show is a guy called Mike Michalowicz, who uh, he's written some really great books, and, and it was really great to have him on, on the show. And I, I, I follow his social media stuff as well, and he does a lot of like personal posts, or even on LinkedIn, um, that aren't that aren't just business stuff. But even then, with a lot of his business stuff, he he aims to have fun and be playful with it too. I think he has a really good balance. I'd say, you know, as a consumer of his information. I'm not always interested in the stuff he puts out about his personal stuff, but it's nice to see it because you get you you get that it's congruent with who he is, and he's not afraid to share other parts of his life as well. Um, I I don't know that I do that so well. I you know I, I probably share much more professional stuff. I think the more personal posts that I do tend to be more opinion things or um, something I'm, that's going on or something I'm excited about. So I, I don't do a, a lot of the sort of photographic, this is how wonderful my life is kind of thing or uh, you know having to visually show people what I'm doing. But I do do try to talk at least about some stuff that isn't necessarily what I'm doing with my work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's an interesting, interesting balance. I do that less. Uh, I don't really post much on Facebook these days and uh, uh, don't spend too much time there, but um, Instagram, I don't really understand enough to be able to use it well either. So nearly all my social media stuff is going either on, on LinkedIn or, or YouTube. Uh, and on YouTube, I'm not putting out any stuff that is like personal stuff. With with mm. video, I think you have to you have to be a bit more restricted about what you put out there. I could be wrong, but um, that's been my take on it. That it has to be stuff that is relevant to your audience. I think it depends on the platform. You know, Instagram is more about visual pictures and stuff. And now they've got this new thing, which is kind of copying TikTok, where you do 15 second videos. Um, dancing around and all that. Um, I mean, the content you put out needs to be relevant to that style on that platform. Um, what I tend to do is a uh, more professional LinkedIn. Uh, YouTube is more about reviews, hints and tips, instructional stuff, because that's what people go there for, really, is to find how to do things. Uh, Facebook is more about um, personal life with a lot of business stuff thrown in. Um, and I, I kind of just stick to those platforms now. I don't really like Instagram. Um, I, I, I've tried different things on Instagram, and I just I don't resonate with it very much. Um, the only thing I like about it is that is you can have a clickable link at the top of your profile, but, I mean, mm. you can have that anywhere, really. So it's, yeah, I, I find that I just don't know enough about it, and, and I'm not – 100% sure that I want to give that much time to learning more about it but it, it could be a platform that's useful to me I just think for for my market and for where they're more accessible to me uh, and where I want to be connecting with people link, LinkedIn mm-hmm. yeah is really the the site that I most want to put my energy into to knowing as well as possible and, and using as well as possible so I'm still I'd say I'm still learning a lot in relation to that I just realized my green screen has gone weird because <laughs> the light outside has gone off um but uh, but yeah I, there's still there's still a lot I'm learning about that that I, that I don't necessarily uh, know I don't know everything there is to know about it I've been speaking to content marketers on LinkedIn who have some uh, who have some great insights into what's going on but they don't always say exactly the same things but a lot of them are talking uh, especially talking a lot about relationship marketing these days mm, yeah definitely where your target market 
hangs out, you know. Um, there's no point going on Pinterest if you're doing uh, speaking or webinar presentation stuff. I don't think it's mainly for women shopping for clothes and handbags and shoes and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think that is it's just important just to concentrate on uh, just the platforms that you like and use and where your target audience is hanging out. And that's enough, in my opinion. Um, I used to try and be on every platform, but it's a bit pointless and, and it, you uh, spread yourself too thin as well. I mean, one, one platform is enough, really. Um, if, if you had to pick one, you'd obviously pick LinkedIn. I think I probably would as well. Um, but YouTube's very useful. Um, and Facebook is um, is good for the the ad- advertising side of things because of um, the targeting that you can achieve with Facebook ads. Although mm. it can be easier to advertise on YouTube because they're a bit less restrictive of what you can and can't do. Well, I, I just tend to find not that many people do it as well. Other other than mostly large brand people, I don't always see. Uh, that many adverts I do sometimes on particular videos see that um, certain people have targeted uh, have targeted other videos to advertise on for various reasons uh, usually that's with um, like some some of the people who I don't know if you've seen these this stuff online people are talking like Mike Winnett talking about the entrepreneur formula and there's a few people in there who are really highlighting the the ways that some people are like selling online courses and programs and and actually not really delivering stuff they just have this whole guru setup and um and really it's just uh they're just raking in money and not delivering any value so there's a group of youtubers out there who are highlighting all that and some of the people who they are highlighting as being not the most ethical practicing people uh are people who are targeting their videos to advertise on as well. So before you get to see their video, you might see an ad for one of the people that they've done videos about um, choosing choosing to get on their channel and, and maybe just being be seen by their audience before they start talking about them. It's it's interesting, mm. but for the most part, uh, I don't see that many people. And it could be that I have a very limited uh, selection of what I watch on YouTube, but who are using who are using their ads in any kind of good way or useful way. It could be that it's a, a very underused form of advertising. But uh, again, like anything, I think YouTube, you would have to you would have to get instant impact. Otherwise people are just gonna click skip ad as soon as they can. Yeah, like I do that all the time. But uh, I'm always getting retargeted by digital marketing people because of who I follow uh, on social media. I'm getting bombarded with offers. Um, it's it's almost as if everyone in the whole universe is doing digital marketing <laughs> because that's all I see. Yeah. Uh, buy this course, check out my offer, and download your free PDF and uh, all the rest of it. And, um, right. Do you, Do you think people are are becoming more immune to that? Because I, I know I feel for myself that I am. So I'm not just going to click and give my email de- details to everyone. Most of us have overflowing inboxes these days with, with all this stuff anyway. Mm. What what would you say is working in those sorts of uh, pay attention to me kind of generation? Um, 
in the long run, honesty and integrity, <laughs> you know, um, being real and crafting a good offer that's, that's deliberately designed to speak directly to your target audience. Mm. Um, you, they need to, you need to capture their attention straight away. How, um, how do you think people can spot that though? Because I know, I know for me, certainly, you know, we told we've both been in the coaching industry and I, I still am. I know that there are a lot of operators who are, who are not uh, necessarily in their integrity, who are not the most uh, value, valuable people to be following that there, there are people in the, in, in any industry, I guess, who are, who are there just, just for money and they don't really care mm-hmm. about uh, about the other side so how do you spot integrity how do you spot value if you don't really know what that is or you you may be inclined to to believe the words of somebody um who says that they're offering that well i can't speak for everyone i mean there's smarter people in the world and there's not so smart people in the world um i think i'm i'm quite uh empathic and um i'm quite good at sussing people out i think um, but, you know, if you were on a date and uh, say it was a blind date, you would know if you liked that person or were attracted to them within like, you know, 10 seconds, mm-hmm. if it was going to be a yes or a no. Um, how is that possible? You, you, you know, you get a feel, you size up a whole bunch of things and, and you use your intuition. You get you feel if it's right or not. Sure, but then we we still we can still make mistakes, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but you got you you weigh up a lot of things subconsciously. It's like your brain doesn't make the choice. You make the choice emotionally, and then your brain decides to back it up with some kind of logic that seems to fit. And once it says, "Well, that sounds right," then your brain says, "Oh, I've done a good job working that out." But you already decided. <laughs> ages ago <laughs> your brain's just trying to jump jump in and take credit <laughs> I, I think for for me one of the things that i've never liked in the personal development industry and i've always steered as clear away from as possible is the people who really ramp up ramp up emotion to to sell mm-hmm. because they know when emotion gets high that critical thinking goes low and so you know, whilst we tend to whilst we do need emotions generally to make decisions the the people who who utilize that for their just for sales um i i don't trust that mm. i think if you have to get people's energies that high to be able to make sales um then there's something something wrong with that it's like the whilst you still need the emotional side there for me ethical sales is about um, hopefully I want people to be excited about making the decision to work with me, but, um, but I also want them to, I want it to make sense to them as well, logically to make sense of them. So I want their critical thinking engaged as well. And I'm okay with the, the questions that may come up, crop up or, of uh, what am I really getting here? You know, the, the, the questions that they, they should be asking and, um, the, and probably would be afterwards, but the, too many people operate on this thing of well when you made the sale you made the decision that people will find the ways to mentally justify that and and they will but for me that's not how i want to make sales i don't i don't want people to have to feel that they they need to find the ways to justify it i want them to feel that they've made a valuable decision and they've made it um that they're not going to have their sort of buyer's remorse afterwards because they were 
fully understanding the decision they made. They weren't just swept away with the emotion of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy stuff. Mm. And um, like, if I'm out at the shops, uh, say I'm looking for a pair of trousers or something, um, I might look at a pair and think, they, sort of, they seem okay. You know, I could maybe see myself wearing them. Uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. I might have to try them on. It's kind of like if you're looking at these salespeople, um, it's a similar sort of dynamic. Whereas one day I might go into a shop and I see a pair of trousers. I'm like, oh, I have to have those. They're exactly what I need. You know, that's that signal is telling me, you know, that my intuition is bang on the money. It's it's correct. Um, so if you have like um, a good feeling straight away, you know, that's telling you something. But if you get alarm bells, and, oh, there's something not quite right about this person, or you just feel like they're manipulating you, um, then I'd pay attention to that and perhaps not, you know, venture down any financial roads with them or any contracts perhaps. Do you, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think, you know what, I think it does. And I think people don't trust their intuition enough. And um, mm. because your in- intuition, I don't see your intuition as being like uh, a mysterious force or element. It's like, you're, for me, intuition is stuff that just maybe more automatically operates for yourself. Like, um, I'd say that for most people, when they know how to do anything really well, um, you spot things right away. You just know when something's right or something's not because you know it well enough. And um, I think Mal- Malcolm Gladwell talks about this, and I'm trying to remember which book it is. I think it might be the tipping point, but I could be wrong. Um, but um, but he talked about this in terms of like an art expert being able to spot a fake instantly, and they couldn't necessarily tell you why, but they're so they have such a an experienced eye for what they do that their intuition tells them right away that's a fake uh, mm. because because they have maybe unconsciously in this in this case spotted the things that that they've over years had experience of looking for i think that is essentially how intuition for most people does work and it's the times when we override our intuition um now in in a lot of the sort of uh, personal development investment seminar world people override their intuition sometimes out of out of greed sometimes out of um this sort of idea of possibility of that they could have a a big life transformation, which I guess could happen. But um, like you you said, dating as an example, sometimes people will override their intuition about whether the person they're on a date with is a good person uh, for them to to get to know more and to develop a relationship with um, based on, you know, maybe physical attraction to the person or some other aspect. They sort of say, well, you know, you may you may see the warning signs there, but you override them because you want something else more. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, this managing expectations as well. Um, yeah. I think that's why a lot of relationships fail because the these things are not outlined or laid out um, in the beginning. You expect someone to be a certain way, and you then become annoyed when it turns out they're not like how you imagine you want them to be. Right. But that's just about getting to know people. Um, but if, if you're being vulnerable and you're being genuine, you're keeping it real, people can get to know you a hell of a lot faster than, you know, just through a sales pitch. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I yeah I do think we we tend to also um, o- overlook overlook things that we should look out for, and some of it's down to just not knowing. We we tend to think that people are good faith operators more often than not. You know, if if you are someone who operates your life in good faith and and you are at least reasonably honest with people, I don't think anyone's ever a hundred percent honest. But you know, you you aim to be a good person at the very least. To, it's hard to imagine that there are people out there who don't, who that's not important to them, who uh, who don't care about you know, if, if someone else gets hurt or someone else gets ripped off or you know, if they leave a trail of disaster behind them, they don't care. Uh, that it's hard as someone who does care to imagine that those people are out there, but they are. And so I think it's those sorts of things, that that's where you do sometimes need to take a step back and understand um, or at least sometimes just take that step back to think, um, what is my intuition here? What am I feeling? But also saying to ask yourself sometimes, what is the intention here in this situation? Mm-hmm. If, because if you can take that step back and ask that, you think, well, what is their intention? You know, we, we all we all persuade and influence and manipulate each other all, all through our lives. But sometimes that's for selfish gain and sometimes it's for the greater good or for the good of the other person if you can take that step back and, and see that more clearly, then I think that's going to help you. So sometimes even just taking a moment to ask yourself what's really going on here or what is this person's intention towards me uh, is enough. Yeah, I, I zero in on that intention stuff. Um, it's like what you were saying about what's in it for me. I, I, look at, I look at the person and I think, what are they tuned into? What's in it for them? And as they're presenting whatever they're presenting to me i i make a a judgment call of where they're going with it what Mm. they're going to get out of it and from that i can figure out um in a kind of reverse engineering type of way um what they want because if i can figure out where they're going and what's in it for them and all the rest i can see them manipulating or not um and all the rest of it, all the bits in between. It's kind of hard to explain it, but, you know, I've read a book on intuition when I was a teenager, and that sort of got me into all of that. Mm. Um, but I've always been a people watcher as well, and and I, I've always questioned things. Um, so I like the critical thinking aspect side of things, yeah. and, um, and I, I analyze and think too much but maybe that's a good thing sometimes. But yeah, I, I look at people and I, I try and figure them out as quickly as I can. I'm not amazing at it. Um, I get it wrong. Everybody does. We're human. But I think I'm pretty good at sussing people out if if they're being genuine or not um, mm. quite early on. Um, yeah. And as I say, the gut, the gut instinct, the intuition, you always got to trust that. Once you know... How, how it works and if you can relate to it. I mean, it's like dowsing or kinesiology where you can test test your muscles to see if you're tense or if you're relaxed. Right. It tells you if you're subconsciously feeling truth or, or fakeness, you know, all that kind of stuff. When you can work out what your body is doing and feeling, then you can realize, okay, it's feeling good or it's, it's feeling tense, you know, and then go from there. Yeah. I think I was talking about people overriding their um, overriding their intuition. I think one of the other things that is is important that occurs to me about why people do that is fear of confrontation, and it's probably a much bigger one than I than I stop and give it credit for, um, because the vast majority of people who ever encounter, I include myself, have fear of confrontation. 
and uh, you know in in life i've trained myself to to not be aggressively confrontational but to you know to to do the right thing say the right thing and do the right thing uh, in situations rather than keep quiet and and be uh, complicit to a situation um but most people will will go out of their way not to rock the boat not to create conflict situations mm-hmm. or confrontation and uh, you know that's just as true in um personal relationships relationships for many people as it is in professional in the professional world too and there are many people who know that and take advantage of it uh utilize it to their own benefit because because they know that most people don't want don't want (coughs) confrontation just my little puppy there (laughs) six months old come here (coughs) no one's trusted to interrupt the podcast come here (laughs) You know. <laughs> hey, so, a new... little shit suit. <laughs> <laughs> very cute, very cute. Yeah. Fluff ball. Well, one one thing I miss at the moment is having having a dog. I'd love to have them. I often often trust dogs dogs um, ability to determine character of people more than my own. Yeah, um, although. It's not 100% because I, I did work as a postman once and I got bit a few times just yeah. because of my uniform. And that's nothing to do with my character, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You'd hope not. You'd hope not. Um, one thing I, I do want to ask, ask you about is, is podcasting because you're, you're a pretty experienced podcaster yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what started you in getting into podcasts? What made you want to, to do that? I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that looks interesting or good. Um, well, I used to do a lot of driving, and I was listening to hundreds of hours of uh, podcasts. Um, so, you know, the more you do something, the more it expands in your life. Um, so because I was listening to them, I thought it would be a good idea to maybe do one. And I was learning, you know, that um, you can get so many seconds of people's attention on Facebook or um, YouTube or whatever, but podcasts would caption people's attention for hours at a time, um, which I thought was amazing. Um, also, it's a very useful tool as a add-on to a business. Um, but I wanted a podcast to be my main hub, which it was in the beginning. I started the online business ninja podcast, and after several episodes, I interviewed uh, a few big names, but it was going in the wrong direction. Um, I was trying to create some kind of information to follow so people could help uh, get help with their mindset and um, all the rest of this setting up business stuff. Mm. Um, but the people were coming on talking about things that were off topic and it just it wasn't going down how I saw it in my head. So I shut that down, and then I started a Comedy Pump podcast, um, which is how I've got all the comedians in my network. Um, So I've done a few episodes there, but I wanted to to get rid of um, softwares and services that I was paying for that I didn't need. And um, with that came the hosting and editing softwares I was using for podcasts and I've switched to anchor and I've uh, worked out how to use audacity to edit the podcast, which is free. Um, it's a little tricky to learn it, 
but once you get it, it's it's easy. So you no longer need to pay for um, Ala two I was using. Mm. Um, so now now I can create podcasts that are um, entirely uh, cost free, pretty much. Um, but I can only have one podcast on Anchor, or I could create another one, I suppose. But I just I want to focus on the business stuff. So I've started the online business podcast again uh, from scratch, and it's just going to cover business topics uh, alone, stuff that could be interesting uh, in the direction of growing a business and and making it better. I mean, when I was doing the podcasting before, I had uh, Howard Berg, who was the world record holder for uh, uh, speed reading. Mm-hmm. Um, he could read a book in like a few minutes. He actually taught uh, the ClickFunnels team um, and he'd rub shoulders with a bunch of other famous people uh, in that kind of area. So yeah. I thought he was a great guest to have on. But um, I didn't really see the value of being able to read fast. I don't really like reading, to be honest. I'd rather listen to, to an audio book. Yeah. Um, I also had a, another guy who's a mystic and he was great. Um, but it, again, it was slightly off topic when I was asking questions like, you know, how, how do you, um, make more money online and stuff? He would kind of be fighting against that to, to say, you know, why don't you sort out your inner stuff first before you focus on the outer stuff kind of vibe, right. which is not really helpful <laughs> to be making money and, and running businesses. Um, and yeah, I, I thought I, I need to, I need to, I need to do over. So I'm going to, need to start again. But it was good practice. Sure. Um, it's always good know, practice. Yeah, yeah. I'd learned a bunch of stuff, so then I was able to know what I really wanted to do moving forward. Mm. Um, it's like a trial run. I see it as a trial. Um, I still will do comedy uh, podcast interviews, but I just put them on YouTube now, um, and I just use Anchor for the business. But I put the business stuff on YouTube as well. Why not? If it's there, might as well repurpose the content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very excited. I've already started the the series that I'm doing on uh, on humor and presentations and, and bringing comedy into that. But the the people who you've connected me to through through LinkedIn, uh, got in fact a lot of them I'm speaking to this week, um, got uh, some exciting episodes planned with them as well so i'm really looking forward to getting deeper into that series so a big thank you for for all those connections there but also you you provided me with a lot of really really good information on uh, on growing the podcast and uh, and and stepping things up there too so that, that's been super helpful so now i'm looking more to be uh, guesting on other people's podcasts i've done i think three or four now and really enjoy it Really enjoy being a guest on other people's other people's shows too, um, but yeah, in terms of strategy, it's um, it's enjoyable. It's it's just time, <laughs> like with everything else, yeah. it's just time. Um, to needing the time to to work on my own output and and to also do some stuff that's going to help me promote and become more known, uh, which I which I think is is critical you know, right now. We talked about relationship marketing before. Uh, generating these or having that sort of connection with people when i created my podcast my whole intention was um to put out information that that i'm interested in as a 
as a speaker, as a presenter, and as someone who is fascinated by um, the arts of influence and persuasion, um, and felt like this whole sort of hidden world was uncovered to me when I started uh, learning about how people um, create online influence and how people use hidden influence and persuasion techniques uh, and have been for, for centuries. This stuff, is, this stuff isn't new. And, and many people use that for, uh, again, for not so good things as well. Like con artists rely on this stuff. Um, religious cults rely, rely on this kind of stuff as well. And um, it's a, an incredibly fascinating area that that has maybe transformed part of my purpose to um, also wanting people to understand how these tools work to use them ethically, but also to understand that when when they may be being used against you, so you at least have that awareness. And, and again, like I said before, about taking that step back and saying, what is the, what's the intention here? What's going on? What's actually happening here? What, why are they doing this? Um, you know, it's, if you if you do that while you're watching a film, you'll probably uh, you'll probably figure out what's coming next pretty quick, and you might ruin the <laughs> ruin the experience for yourself. But if you do that in your life, you're you're going to find yourself being a bit more aware of what's going on, rather than just taking people at face value. I think that's uh, often one of the one of the most dangerous things is just taking people's words at face value. Uh, that we that we too often do. We want to trust. We want to trust, but. Um, we we shouldn't always trust too readily. Aim, aim to trust people who deserve the trust rather than uh, just everyone who you encounter. Yeah, trust is earned. Are you going to be putting stuff on uh, YouTube for your podcast? Yeah, I do. I do already. I put the podcast out on YouTube. I've no, I've noticed it can it can hurt your um, YouTube channel if you put really long videos on there and people only listen to a few minutes. Because um, my my comedy uh, podcasts I put on there. Um, they can they can be well over an hour and um people just don't want to sit and watch well nothing <laughs> right i mean <laughs> for that long. like tim ferris or joe rogan and people aren't going to sit through it and i think even then, tim yeah. ferris puts out short shorter form content on on there not so sure about uh about joe rogan um but yeah i mean uh i think unless you're unless you're probably already a known quantity that's that may well be the case Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely 20 minutes, half an hour, just on a normal podcast is, seems to be the sweet spot, Yeah, I found. Um, but yeah, there are there are long ones out there, but I think it's to do with, you know, how long do you exercise for or how long do you drive to work, you know? So I think 20 minutes, half an hour is, is a good sort of... Yeah, I think I've generally done. I mean, I've put I put out full episodes on YouTube, but I've generally done that in the sort of sense of um, I will sit and watch long form stuff on YouTube, but I generally I'll do other things. So I'll, I'll tend to more listen to it than watch it. I, I won't really generally, even with people I I particularly like and follow intentionally, won't watch an hour and hour and a half video um, because I. I mostly don't have an hour, an hour and a half thing. Oh yeah, I've got a bit of free time. Let's listen to that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's probably good advice. I sort of think, well, maybe shorter, shorter form clips and stuff on, on YouTube would be a better way of putting out the content there. And uh, with links to the full episode um, on, on audio to download, that would make a lot of sense. So um, your uh, customers or audience, do, where do they go Where's your main hub? Where do they do they go to your podcast first? Do they go to your YouTube or your website? I think potentially most people's first first 
um, connection with me uh, if they haven't uh, if they haven't come through my network is probably LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that where you'd prefer your audience to find you first? I'm I'm happy with that. Um, I don't think my website is quite there yet in terms of uh, having everything it needs to 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 be valuable. Like I haven't got the um, the lead generation set up there yet. It's still a, a bit still a bit of a work in progress. But mm. um, but yeah, it's um, it will once that is all set up there. Once everything is where it's where it needs to be with that, then that, that will be the place where I probably would like people to go first. Yeah, our websites, um, I think the latest that I understand, the vibe seems to be that people aren't so much interested in websites these days. Although, uh, according to analytics, the About Me page is is quite popular on a website. You know, um, a lot of people go there, I think, basically to find out about who you are, what you're all about kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it's good to have somewhere a kind of main menu to direct people. But um, I think more people are moving towards just having um, landing pages to capture emails. Yeah. Um, because rather really than having a website. Is, yeah. Really what you need is, is email capture for sure. Mm. I, I know, I know um, quite a few people who don't, who don't have their own websites. They just have, as you say, landing pages. They have uh uh, maybe an online platform that's host, you know, hosted by somebody else, but they they can drive all, all their traffic there and don't even need to have a, a website. Um, I know of some people who have had their businesses solely solely based in Facebook. Um, although I've also, I'm also aware that that's caused some problems for some people because if they get shut down by Facebook, they lose they lose all their audience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so legion outside of that. I'm, I'm kind of fishing towards where, where should people go to find out more about you? I think LinkedIn right now probably is the best place to come and find out more about me because I, I put out regular content there almost daily. I post something, um, put out three videos um, a week on there about presentation skills. And I put out my 90-second book review every week as well, which is uh, – probably been one of my more popular popular things sometimes i'll put out a bit of extra con- video content as well but you know focusing on um the article article marketing video content and just general me posting uh with stuff that's in, in my mind on there as well and uh interacting with my network too so i think people can get more of a sense of who i am by seeing how i interact with with other people on linkedin too uh, and will hopefully even find other people that they want to connect to as well through 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 those conversations so i i like it as a place to connect and and because most of what i do is uh um with with business owners working with people who who have their own businesses it's uh, for me it's a great place awesome so i'm i'm just i'm going to put your links um wherever I post this content um, and I'll make sure LinkedIn's at the top. Yeah. How about for you? Would you, would you say LinkedIn or, or somewhere else? Um, just online businessninja.co.uk. Um, it's like a little main menu website thing that I've thrown up. I, I do change it regularly. Um, but it, I always try and keep um, an area there where people can put in their email address and 
if I've got an offer, like at the moment, um, I think it's a free training offer, um, which is uh, basically a short ebook with a bunch of affiliate links in there. But it, it does give good value about how people can get started to make money online with passive income and recurring revenue, yeah. uh, which is my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, yeah, he doesn't want to make money in their sleep well, indeed. <laughs> as soon as my uh, storypreneur formula book is, is finished that's going to be going up as, as my uh, as my lead magnet on uh, on my website as well which uh, hopefully is going to be giving a, a lot of value a lot of value to people because uh, I think it's it's a really useful way of understanding how to construct uh, a presentation or a story and uh, and develop relationship not not uh not just have people be impressed at how good you are at a speaker and not not being just a, a good orator but actually having some message and some heart to what you do which i think is what people want now as well mm, yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that uh, but actually i'm really interested in hearing your podcasts with these comedians which I've yeah. <laughs> sent towards I'm, you. I'm really looking forward to doing that. I said the few episodes out there already uh, with people who are who I've been connected to by a few other people. So I think my, the vast majority of the humorists and comedians who are who are coming on the show soon are people that you've connected me connected me with, and uh, really really looking forward to recording with them. Some of them I've been checking out some of their online, uh, some of their content on the videos, some of their stand up in some cases, and. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, uh, Stand-up stand is something that I've wanted to try my hand at for a long time, and I'm not afraid of it. It just haven't to actually pulled the time out of my schedule to sort of look at what would be a, a good place to, to learn that. I know there are people who teach it and do um, do courses in stand-up, and I think I'd like to do something like that for maybe for a week or, or something just to do it and, and increase that in my own in my own repertoire for presentation. It, uh, you've done some stand-up, yeah? Um, no, no, but um, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like the same. I done, no, I've done, done a few funny videos just testing it out. I've done about a dozen videos, and then I restarted my account again because I learned how to work TikTok. And basically, the first five, five videos are very important uh, how TikTok decides to treat you in the future. Mm. And you should be consistent. All your videos should be a similar kind of format and so on. Um, and I was doing all kind of different, every video was different. I was trying all the different special effects and stuff just to see how it worked and everything. Um, and then I came across some material about how to work TikTok really well. And I thought, oh, I've been doing it wrong. So I started that again. And mm. I've, I'm, I've done three videos and then I've just stopped. Um because it's not it's not that interesting to me without putting all these different special effects in. Some of them are really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's some really good stuff coming off there. I, the only reason I haven't gone on to TikTok, even though a few people have recommended it to me, is that I don't see it as being a place that's going to add any value to me or the people who I'm reaching out to to work with. Um, so, uh, so I I don't know what I would do with TikTok <laughs> to be honest. Well. Well, check this, right? There's there was an old woman who done a video, and all she done was she she held up a phone. She said, "I'm just doing this video so that I can make my grandkids uh, annoyed uh, uh, and and be more viral than them or something." And it was a ridiculously crap video, and it got like eighty thousand views or something. <laughs> um, and 
I'm like, that's crazy. And how it works is the algorithm's different to other social media, and it will show your video to a bunch of people, and if, if it gets watched for long enough or enough times, then it will show it to a whole bunch more. And there's, there's about four different stages where you can go through to make it go viral. Um, but it's, it, it depends on if people like it to watch all the way through or mm. watch it more than once and stuff like that. Um, so there's hacks you can do, but there is a, you can have a clickable link in, on your bio um, and you can also send people to YouTube without even using a clickable link. It's, it's got an option to for people to press the button to go to your YouTube channel. Mm. And it's been very uh, responsive, very good to send people to your YouTube channel if, if you're on TikTok. Um, okay. A lot of people have said that, that the subscribers shoot up and all, all of that goes right up. Um, obviously, you need an audience on TikTok. Mm. Um, but you can get an audience like very easily. If you, if you just put up, like you know a few videos every day only takes a few seconds to make a video do a few every day and your viewers will go right up and and the people that opt to check out your youtube as well will help your youtube to grow so it could be useful for that maybe i should be investigating it a bit more good to know it can it can be fun there are there are more um older people getting into it these days, 14, 50-year-olds, I see you're starting to do stupid dances and stuff, um, if you're into that kind of thing. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, not I'm not sure that's how I want to be promoting myself, but uh, but <laughs> maybe some stuff from my from my public speaking world. And, uh, yeah. Well, comedy. Yeah, there's a lot of comedians on there. Um, do a 15-second uh, skit or a 60-second skit. Um, just tell some jokes. You could set yourself up, you know, like with a background, with a with a microphone, have some light in the back, uh, mm-hmm. put up a sign or something, and pretend you're in a comedy club, you know. Sure. And, yeah. And then just put put out jokes and and see how people like it. I think that could be fun to do. It could be yeah. a, a nice challenge to set for myself as well. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm up for that. Good stuff. All right, Grant. Well, I I really enjoyed uh, talking to you today. Is there, is there anything yeah, we, we should have anything we should have covered that we didn't? Oh, probably everything. <laughs> well, it's been good chatting to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm definitely I'm going to check out your your book and and the podcast with the comedians when that's out. How long does it take for you to to get that stuff edited and out there? The the episodes I I, I can turn them around within uh, generally within about. Uh, two weeks but um but in terms of my my publishing schedule i've got about 10 10 interviews to go out and i i've only been putting out one interview a week so uh so i may have to increase my volume of, of output for interviews to keep on top of the amount that's coming through at the moment and one a week's good um even one a month is better than nothing of course um you know podcasting doesn't have to be mega regular although people that do every day they they tend to be doing very well for themselves but um you know it's a tiny yeah, thing i just i i honestly do not have the capacity to do uh, a daily uh daily podcasting 
Um, mm. but, I, but I see some people who've really got a lot of traction from from doing that. It would, uh, for me, it would eat, eat into my client work. And uh, mm. right, right now, I, I'm not in a position to, to do that. Yeah. So whilst it would be great, um, and I, I, I'm, I'd be quite happy to be doing podcasting full time, it's, uh, it's not quite there yet. Well, I'll be looking out for your episodes when they're when they're available. Anyway, oh, I appreciate that, and and, and, and your book. Send me the link if you remember. I, I will. I'll be I'll be posting it all over LinkedIn for sure. So uh, it's, uh, it needs to be finished first, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the most most important part. Get it finished and edited. But Grant, uh, it's been really good today. I re- really really enjoyed uh, chatting with you, and uh, you've got tons of good information for anyone who's who's watching or listening. If you if you're not following uh, Grant on on LinkedIn or any kind of social media from check out his website make sure you go and do that. Yeah, I'll throw you some links so you can chuck them around. Perfect. I look forward to it. All right. Grant, thank Thanks. you. Thanks, John. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Before you go, if you would like to get a free copy of the download of my new ebook, The Five Key Beliefs of Bulletproof Business Speakers, go and visit presentinfluence.com. Claim your copy today absolutely free and it's going to get your mindset right for speaking and presenting in the future. If you're a YouTube watcher, give us a like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let us know what we can do to improve, who you'd like to see on the show. Apple Podcast listeners, please give us a review. This is going to help the show grow and means we can keep bringing you more of the content that's going to take the show in the direction that's going to have even more value for you in the future as well don't miss my guest next week a former college football player in the u.s as well as a football coach who's applied the principles that he's learned through coaching and from his coaching into his own life and becoming an inspirational and motivational speaker coach cam so don't miss that episode next time see you again next week